Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Welcome, sports fans. It's time again for Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. In studio today, Andy Brampernard. Mike Gelfan. Of course, uh, my new name, Anthony Zatola, is here with you. Anthony Zatola. We'll tell you about Anthony Zatola in a second. All right. <laughs> Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Doug, how are things going at Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan? Well, we're in first and second place for the year in Minnesota. That's pretty impressive. What do you think the secret is? Well, clearly people like overpaid morning DJs that can't throw a first pitch over the plate. That hurt my feelings on so many levels. Sorry. Some people actually like these goofy ads, but there's a lot more to it. I think people really like the one-price upfront approach. They know they are being treated fairly. Yep. The free 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty doesn't hurt either. So what's going on this month? Well, inventory's finally getting better. We've got 75 Rogues and 25 Pathfinders available for delivery this month, and Nissan just came out with 1.9% for 36 months for people with good credit. The way interest rates are climbing these days, that's pretty darn good, Dougie. With all those Rogues and Pathfinders, free powertrain warranty, and low interest rate financing, no wonder Burnsville and Coon Rapids are setting records. We're like the Aaron Judge and Ryan. Roger Maris of Nissan's. No, no, you're not. We have a bifurcated show today. Bifurcated. We do. I like that. We're going to be talking cars, and then we have a reporter calling in about quarter after 11. Mm-hmm. Got a book about what it's like to be a reporter, so it should be pretty interesting. couple interesting things happened today. Um, thanks to the Department of Transportation, I was late getting here. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Across town was down to one lane, and of course, oh, it's just it's brutal when that happens. And uh, normally, I get to play limo driver for my good friend Mike Gelfan, but he came. Yeah. He got okay. here today under his own power. I had to fly That's solo, uh, despite the uh, despite the restrictions imposed on me by the DMV. So, what's your total mileage for the year with the uh, with the Battlestar Galactica? Mm-hmm. You, have you hit 500 yet? No, no, I, I'm generally around 750. Oof, okay. Yeah. That car will outlast all of us put together. Many, many years into the future. Well, it will definitely outlast me, that's for sure. The funny thing about the car, you know, my right eye is pretty much has been shattered. And it's just like I can't see much at all out of my right eye, especially out of the – I have no peripheral vision in it. And as a result of that – Going out of my garage, you know, it's a very narrow kind of thing. Sure. 
Yeah, I, you got a one holer. I, I've smashed. I've smashed the car, the right side of the car into the side of the garage many times. Sure. So like both of us now are like duct taped in the right eye, and it's mm-hmm. you know how you know how they say like married couples start to look like each other. Mm-hmm. Well, my car is old enough. It's a 23 year old car that now my car and I have started to look alike. You know, one of my very first jobs was uh, it was Oaken, Washington. It was a combination gas station and budget rent-a-car facility. Oh, sure, <laughs> sure. I remember those. Yep. And I'd mostly pump gas and occasionally he'd rent a car because it was at the U. But I had a guy that came in every day, and he was like a million years old. And he drove this Buick. Both sides were just hammered. And he had a 16-ouncer between his legs with a really long straw. <laughs> oh, my God. And he'd drive in every couple days and go five bucks worth of ethyl. It's like, okay, Mr. Whatever Your Name Is. But uh, not saying that you drink and drive. He combined both the inability to navigate with. No, uh, basically I don't drink or drive. Use. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> which is which is safe way to live. Yep. I you actually, know, you mentioned the car outliving everyone. Has there been a study in terms of how long cars last versus when they were manufactured? Because everyone says that new cars don't last, but I wonder if that's just survivorship bias. I think that's just uh, people thinking the good old days are better than they actually were. Cars cars are better now than they've ever been. They're more efficient. They're less prone to rust. They're safer. I, you know. Yeah. I, I grew up driving safer, 60s God cars, yeah. and they are cool looking. They're, you know, I had a 65 Mustang, 68 442, 60 Falcon. Man, yeah, maybe that one wasn't that cool looking. A whole bunch of that stuff. It, it, they were, you know, wonderful looking cars, but in terms of functionality, mm. they were terrible. Well, the problem is the pebble hits the body, and it reverberates so hard that you fall apart. Well, I don't know if that was it so much, but it was just, you know, they they, they didn't make very much power. They weren't very efficient, no and they weren't steering. safe. Yeah, a lot of cars had drunk. I had a 69 uh, DeVille convertible, big-ass big Cadillac. The car's longer than a Suburban. Yep. Drum brakes. Mm-hmm. I came back from. Do they even uh, make drum brakes anymore? Yeah, you can find them on. Uh, usually, if you if they are on a car, it's an inexpensive one, and they're just rears only. Oh, okay. Because most of the stopping action is done by the fronts yeah. anyway. But I was coming back from uh, actually playing golf with Ted Turp up at the lakes. Oh, there you go. Sunday, I'm whipping down uh, 94 out past Rogers, and that car would haul. I'm going 75. It came around the corner, and both lanes are stopped. I'm like, oh, I that's... barely stopped that yeah. car. I'm like, oh, my God. But a modern car, you know, wouldn't have been a problem at all. So so on the way here, I'm on Highway 100. Is this the Anthony Satola? No, story? no, I'll get back. Oh, By the way, his later. name is actually Sylvester Satola. Okay. Okay. Anthony sounded better, though. It yeah. does. It does. And, but I'll get to that And then in a you second. could throw in, like, in the middle, a nickname like Tuna Fish or something. No, no, no. Uh-huh. I don't think there's any question about that. Tony Tuna Satola. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you had a great opportunity there, and you just absolutely swung and missed at it. That's when the story Mike, of my life. When Mike stopped talking, you said, well, you should have said, well, you've never been able to see anything to the right anyway. <laughs> I mean, it, it was wide open, and he didn't even take the Remember opportunity. The, the listener we had on the uh, uh, when we used to do the ride for diabetes. Oh yes, yeah. Guy, he was kind of a right winger, and his brother was gay and far left, and he needed a kidney right. transplant. Yep. Um, and so he asked his, you know, his brother agreed to do it, which is you know wonderful. 
And uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he says, George, I think his name was. Yeah, George. It was George. Yep. You're right. Yep. <clears throat> he says, hey, can I have the right one? Because you've been left your whole life. Only a guy would say that to his brother. <laughs> I know. It's true. And, you know, the weird thing was the first time we, he rode with us, and he was, I'm guessing he was maybe just short of 60. Hard to yeah, say. Yeah, that's about right. But rode his bike to work four days a week downtown. Looks like he's in pretty good shape. Mm -hmm. He couldn't keep up with us. I'm like, oh, my God. I said, Tom, what do you want to do? And he goes, well, I'm not going to ditch a rider. We'll just go really slow. Well, he found out months later that he had kidney disease, yeah. and that's what yep. the problem was. So the next year, he rode with us, and he brought his son along, yeah. and he was great. So. Yeah, it was, it was a terrific story. But he took a shot at his left-wing gay brother. I thought that <laughs> what was pretty a shock. funny. Gee, taking shots at the opponent, unbelievable. You know, I can't even watch the TV news anymore. I can't read the newspaper. It's just everything. And this man should be imprisoned for life. It's like, would you settle down? And it's on both sides. And it's like, good God, would you relax? Well, how about uh, you following what's going on in England? Oh, that she lasted Liz a long time, Crush, didn't she? Six and done. Wouldn't it be nice if uh, the same thing would uh, would happen to some of our presidents? Yeah, you got okay, that right. Okay, we gave you six weeks. You I know, like it. Now plenty. it's time to move on. It is time to move on. All right, back to Sylvester Zotola. That's okay. my new radio name I'm using because he doesn't need it anymore. And the reason Sylvester doesn't need it anymore, he was assassinated because Sylvester Zatola was a member of the Bonanno crime family. No, just like it sounded. <laughs> just like it sounded, Mike. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, so Sylvester Zatola is found dead, and then they find one of his two sons dead as well. So he and his son were, were massacred and a hit on the Bonanno crime family. And who was it that ordered the hit? Very easy. I have no idea. Is it a member of the Gotti family? No. Uh, well, they're all dead now. Other Victoria, I think. Oh, really? Um, his other son. Oh, jeez. Oh, his own sure, son ordered his murder and his brother's murder. Nice. <laughs> it's like Shakespeare. <laughs> East of Eden. Yeah. Uh, the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> the Bible. There you go. Honest to God. Oh, wait a minute. It says here... Um, um, Anthony Zatola was found guilty of conspiracy, murder for hire, the murder of his father. Oh, apparently he only attempted to murder his older brother. He didn't kill him. He tried to. Uh, prosecutors say Zatola wanted his father and brother dead so he could take over the family real estate business. <laughs> oh, that mafia. Those kids. See Coldwell Banker? Or <laughs> See, exactly. So you said, oh, the mafia. My impression was, oh, the real estate business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right, Mike. Oh, really? And by the way, there's a guy, one of the people in the story is Hyman Ross. You remember Hyman Roth in yes. The Godfather? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. That's the original guy because, remember... When they shot, if you watch the offer, yeah. when they shot The Godfather, the mob had a huge influence on how it was shot. Oh, sure. So Hyman Ross became Hyman Roth in the movie. Part That was part two, I think, though. That's how they disguised the identity. Yeah, I, who, who would know Hyman <laughs> yeah, right. Ross is now Hyman Roth? I mean, how did that happen? Old Jewish guy in the mafia. I wonder who he, I wonder who he is. Remember, remember they're sitting in, in Havana, Cuba, yeah. and they're having a piece. He goes, just a small piece. It's his birthday cake, right? His birthday cake. Just a sliver. <laughs> Just a sliver. That's what he said. Just a sliver. No air conditioning, and it's a million degrees down there. What a great movie that was. Oh, God. It, well, yeah, there's no doubt about that. So what else is going on in the world? Everything good? 
Well, it's nice to be uh, back moving around. I uh, Yeah, that was weird, man. Well, it's not weird. It was expected. So this is the third yeah, time it's happened. I, I got my COVID booster on Monday, mm. and Tuesday or late Monday night, it was just, just terrible mm. shape for two days. But oh. as quickly as it comes on, it goes away just as quickly. So fever and nausea and cramps and wanting to just expire mm. to, oh, time for a sandwich. I, I haven't got my booster yet because... They won't allow any any uh, medical clinics to get to, to acquire the booster. Why not? Well, what? apparently because the drugstores have some sort of an in. Oh, well, you can't do that to the people of America. Well, just go a, to a drugstore. It's What's all going to CVS and and but Walgreens. Seriously. They've got you know they've got more clout than clinics. I guess they, they do. And I don't want to see. I I don't want to get my shot from a pharmacy tech. Who just spent five minutes looking at a video of yeah. how, to, how to jab you? <laughs> well, there is. I that. used to do it, and I didn't even have five minutes. It's pretty easy. Well, see, that's the problem. Ready, aim, fire. That's the problem. It's pretty easy. There you have it. But that's <laughs> that, that's the reason so many people get this terrible shoulder injury that lasts for years or sometimes never goes away. Yeah, and sometimes it never goes away. You're absolutely right. Because the that. shot is not administered properly, and and you know, for me, uh, I mean. I, when I first, when I got the first, uh, when I got my first shot, which was what two and a half years ago, I guess. Yeah. Um, the nurse panicked, and she said, "Ah, this needle's too big for you," and uh, because you know, I mean, I got a little gristled here. Yeah. It's basically it's bone, and although some people would contest it, muscle, and so what happens is they're far more likely. Not just not not only to take the wrong angle, but to inject you in a bone, mm, and that is not pleasant. No. Oh God, no. And oh, I know God. because I've had it happen to me. Oh, that's not good. So eventually, the uh, the the medical clinics, the you know the Alinas and the Park Nicholas uh, Health Partners, eventually they will get the boosters, but they can't give them out now. That's going to be like till the middle of next month. I still love the fact that I got my shot. Then I got a second shot. Then on the way to Nashville last year, I got the booster shot at the airport. Got back from uh, Nashville after somebody coughed and spit in my face accidentally. Uh, I got COVID. So after all of that, I got COVID anyway. But well, I got it too. Yeah. I had it last January, I think. Well, it may have, of course. I'm sure you've heard this, but it may have made the COVID a lot, a lot less it could dangerous. Have, yeah. yeah, I mean, I was pretty sick for three days, but that was about it. That yeah. was it for me too. I think it was two or three. Yeah, not too bad. And it, it wasn't any worse than the reaction that I get to the booster shot. Quite honestly, really, it's kind of the same thing. Although I didn't get, I don't get the headaches from the booster. I remember having just a terrible headache oh, when yeah. I had COVID. It's like right behind the yep. eyes. Yep, yeah. you're absolutely right. Now, what are they going? What's about? What about these two new variants now that they're talking about? They might even combine them. Yeah. What's that all about? Well, there's just know. there's new variants springing up. You know, God. basically every week or two, and uh, you know they just they just don't know at this point from what I've read. They they know the variants are there. They assume that people are going to be infected by them. But, of course, 
what they don't know is what the uh, the reason how how bad it will be are they more dangerous than what we've experienced before and then the next question of course is are these new booster shots do they provide immunity to these variants? Right, right. And they don't know that either. They don't know that. That is very, very true. I mean, it, it, the whole thing is a work in progress. It's a, well, it's basically, it's, it's, it's an infection in process. But now progress. we have heard from, from very bright people that all the stuff they put us through, they didn't have to put us through. That's uh, the latest information. Wearing the masks and doing all that stuff, it's all, it was all BS, apparently. Oh, the masks didn't do anything? That's what they're saying. They didn't do anything. So who, uh, who's well, ever going to know the truth anyway? I don't know. I mean, I, I still wear a mask. And, do you? Uh, yeah, but suddenly when you're robbing stores and stuff. Well, no, no. This is, uh, and, I, and I, uh, you know, I do try to socially distance. And, um, well, you do that anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Right now, I do it even more. Even more, but, but it exactly. is true that that like you know, for the last fifteen or twenty years during the flu season, if, if I walk into you know, like not 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 even Whole Foods, if, if I but uh, I could walk into like you know a high V. Yeah. And uh, and if I hear some, if I walk in, I'm in the snack bar. If I hear someone in, in the toilet paper area sneeze, no, I'm out of there. You leave the store. Yeah. I understand. And as you know, the toilet paper is always in the far recesses of these stores. That's true as well. Because everybody wants toilet paper, and they want to make you walk through the whole store. That's very Same with the milk. Yeah. yeah same with milk. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. I, you know, it's, it's, there's so much they don't know about COVID, but, but we've also made a lot of progress. Let's not forget that a million Americans died in a little over a year. Yeah, I know. From COVID. And, You're and right. now it's They're still it's dying. Still, but not at anywhere near that. No, clip. but I mean, in Minnesota, we're, we're losing about five people a day. Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. So that, I mean, it's still of, of consequence. Right. But don't you think they should have left all the people who died of heart attacks off the list? That would have been nice. They included everybody on those lists. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know that that's true. There's, you know, I, I remember this was circulating. Oh, I I knew somebody that died in a motorcycle accident. Right, and right, And they wound yeah, up right. on the COVID list. Yeah. And apparently there was one case, I think, down in Alabama or Florida where they miscategorized it. But suddenly everybody knew somebody that died in a motor accident, motorcycle yeah, accident right. that wound up in COVID. So well, I, well, yeah, and, and if you go by the statistics, you know, of how many people – or would be projected to die right. in a certain period of time, that that strongly suggests that there's a hell of a lot of people who died of COVID who weren't counted. Yeah, that's which, a which is yeah. which is likely. I, and I just you know, from, from anecdotal evidence, I knew I think nine or ten people that died the first year from COVID. Did yeah. you really? Yeah. I didn't know anybody. Well, I don't I, think I knew one person died of COVID. Do you? I'm trying to think if Did you I? know anybody. I, Andy, did we know anybody died of COVID? Closest probably Not to you was Dan Culhane, but he had recovered from cancer. I mean, he was yeah. immunocompromised, but he died from COVID. Yeah, that's true. So mm. there is the I one didn't person realize there. That. Yep. He was um, such a great guy. Why, yeah. There are many other disc jockeys I wish we'd gone before <laughs> yeah. I mean, let me just tell yeah. you. And management, they could all go right. before Dan Culhane. I had him on the bottom 50 of my list. Absolutely. <laughs> People you wanted to die. Yeah. Yeah, he was the nicest man you'd ever want to meet. Dan Culhane was just a very nice man. Mm -hmm. um, I got to work with him a little bit. When I first went back to Walzer, we were doing some ads on 102, and he was the producer, right. the recording engineer, and we just <coughs> me. 
we did some really goofy things, and I think it kind of made his day because normally oh, yeah. recording client commercials is going to be well, yeah, kind of deadly. Well, that is correct, Doug. <laughs> well, we have that today. I know one thing: the uh... enjoy the new Chinette. Nothing stakes up to stacks up. Can we do that again? <laughs> <laughs> How do you know that's not Shanae? <laughs> it could be Shanae. It could be Shanae. You don't know. You know, one thing about Dan that I know is he was incredibly popular with the people who live near the old studio in Golden Valley. Oh, you mean the guys in, the, in those townhouses? Yeah, the townhouses, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah you're you right. know, you could look out the window of, uh, of the uh, Studio C. Did it get foggy? And you could, and you could see, you know, you could see those, uh, those guys looking through their window at us. And, uh, yep, you but, could. But they loved Dan. They did. And, and I know that because um, the uh, day that I, that I, the first day that I was, uh, came in early, and uh, I, uh, they, I looked out the window, and there were big, big signs they'd made in the windows saying, Fire Stretch, Hire Dan. <laughs> Fire Stretch? Yeah. <laughs> well, they were mad because, you know, Dan was their buddy. And they saw me as replacing him. Ah. No, you didn't. I know, whole, of Jesus. That was Dave Hamilton's decision. But, well, well see, obviously. I, I get blamed for firing people. I've never fired anyone, no. and I get blamed for it all the time. No, you never like, fired. I have never fired anybody. I would have never hired Except him for either. Shelby. Yeah, Shelby. And he had it coming. Well, yeah, and he had it. That's right, Shelby. Yeah. Speaking of which, he's uh, he's pimping some one-man performance show. So that's what I heard, doing yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I, I, another guy I think the world of, Don Shelby's a great guy. Really good man. You know, Marky Rosen. Mm-hmm. Somebody, I mean, we worked with so many great people. It was unbelievable. And then we just kind of hit the wall. But anyway, <laughs> God, I love teasing people. There's nothing better. You know, I got to tell you something. This is going to be very quick because I'm not going to read any of the stories, but you don't even have to read stories anymore. This is from the Star Tribune. These are two headlines, Okay. Shakopee man becomes the 50th person indicted in feeding our future fraud case. <laughs> 50 people were stealing money from that. How many millions of dollars was that again? It's millions and For millions some reason, I think it was 280, but that's 280 just, million? I think I you might be right. I don't know that that's right. Generally speaking, it's hard to disguise <laughs> a 50 person conspiracy. Yeah, really. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it's going to be difficult. What does it look like, Andy? Uh, let's see, $250 million. That's close. $250 yeah, $250, million. yeah. I like how it's on Google Maps uh, is permanently closed. <laughs> yes, a, I suppose it would be. What a waste of time. All 50 people only got $5 million apiece. What, the, what a waste of time. <laughs> no, I think it's more like five people got yeah. $200 yeah. Million well, and the rest you know, got to fight for the scraps. Now, here's a great headline that you would have never seen in the old days, but you see it more and more. You don't even need to read the story. Poor, less white U.S. neighborhoods get worse internet deals. Oh what do you God. mean, less white? The hell does that mean? <laughs> Why would they go with less white? Mr. Gelfan, you're a newspaper well, reporter. Well, it's, it's more like of an eggshell white. Oh, it's less yeah. white. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. so that's who it is. So basically you're talking to people who never... Yeah, so the Italians get screwed out. Yeah, of <laughs> yeah the oh, Italians yeah. are screwed. Greeks, you know, Sephardic can't have Jews. That. Why would you write that headline? Was it translated from the original Sanskrit? That <laughs> makes no sense. Well, the art of writing headlines is long gone. Oh, oh it is. Sure sure is. I mean, if there's actually someone in the newsroom... Who's writing headlines? That that in itself is a gift. But generally speaking, you know, in a lot of newspapers now, the there's a guy like if it's the Cincinnati Enquirer, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a, there's a few people in Cincinnati 
who are writing stories. But you can bet that the copy desk is someplace like Fargo. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah they have no connection is. at all to the, to I, the readers. I Actually, to to... I disagree because there are some islands of great headline writing. Here's an example from the oh, hard times. Here we go. Well, hard times, of course. My yes. wife and I started an open relationship, and it turns out she's significantly, significantly more attractive than I am. <laughs> That's a great headline. I read the article, and it's like, I'm sitting headline. home and getting hammered, and she's mm -hmm. out getting nailed. Well, there you go. You're going to be pretty delusional to think an open relationship's a good idea. Yeah. Now, can I give you my, growing up in a poor, less white neighborhood as a kid, my take on that headline? Mm-hmm. What they have to understand is, and again, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not pointing any fingers because my family was the poorest family in the damn neighborhood. Poor, less white U.S. neighbors get worse Internet deals. The reason for that is a lot of those neighborhoods like that, nobody pays their bill. Now, that was a fact well, when I was that. a kid, and it probably is going on today. They never throw in that part of it, though. And I'm not saying that poor, less white people are all stiffs, but some of them just like everybody, you know, rich, more white people, they probably screw the people out of money all the time, too. Different right? ways, yeah. In different ways, exactly. But no, I it's going it. to you're... cost you more if nobody pays their bill. Oh, sure. If you're fascinated by aliens, ghosts, cryptid creatures like Bigfoot, then I have the show for you. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Each week, we investigate different claims of the supernatural, bringing you the top guests and experts from around the world. Listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Tune in, Pocket Casts, Deezer, Amazon Music, Audible, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Tom here with my good friend, CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, I was out in Maple Grove the other day, saw your new branch that's under construction. It's looking great. Thanks, Tommy. We're very excited to open our new Maple Grove branch in the Arbor Lakes area later this year. Well, the way I do math, that's the sixth North American Banking Company, and you only have five fingers. How'd you get to six? I used my computer. <laughs> <laughs> we better not ad-lib. All right, we won't <laughs> ad-lib. Never mind. People will... Oh, well, you're not mean. that good at it. Oh, yes, yeah, that's true. That's, right you know, right. we have locations in Roseville, 50th in France, Hastings, Woodbury, and Shoreview. One thing I like about being a North American Banking Company customer is I can do a lot of my banking online or on your mobile app, but sometimes it helps to go in and talk to one of your friendly bankers in person. Everybody loves when you visit, Tommy. We hope to see you in Maple Grove soon. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. Uh, well, my dad always told the story. My dad, you know, was 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 a prude. Basically, he he was one of the great prudes of all time. I mean, he he if I was probably twenty before it even occurred to me that at some point my dad might have had sex with my mother. That might have. Might have. Oh no! Like twice, I'm, maybe. I'm not convinced. Oh, you're not even convinced. Okay. Oh, oh, twice. Yeah. Well, I, I'm one ahead of him. And, um, yeah. and, uh, but, um, he, uh, one of his first jobs as, uh, as a, as a reporter 
uh, was uh, working with the Associated Press in Enid, Oklahoma. Enid, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby. Yeah. And he said that uh, he found the what, what he thought was the, the funniest headline he'd ever seen. It was in the uh, Enid newspaper. The town of Enid actually had a newspaper once. You can bet they probably... Which is pretty funny just in itself. Probably don't anymore. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Yeah. No, now it's probably like the Enid Muskogee Watchatee. Right. Yeah. 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 So anyway... Uh, but the, head, the headline was it was it was a roundup story of um, the city council's work in the past week, and and the headline was mayor's pen is busy. Mayor's pen is busy. Yeah, because the mayor okay. signed all sure, this law. Sure, sure. Yes. But yeah, but uh, there were two of those words that uh, didn't have the proper space between them. By penis? complete accident, oh, no. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Mayor's penis busy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the penis mightier? <laughs> the penis is mightier Which than the probably sofa. made it the most read article in the edition. <laughs> I, I would did. imagine. I would read it. Boy, I'm telling you, Mike, and I'm not it, I don't remember this happening when I was a kid, but you read any copy from anywhere now, you can't even count the mistakes in it. Right. And nobody checks it, nobody goes over their right. work. I mean I'm trying to read stuff on the air from national wires like this sentence structure is dreadful yeah. and it makes no sense. Like, what we were just talking about that made no sense. Let's go back to that. Yeah. I mean, honest to God, it makes no sense. Well, but, you know, the, the, school, the schools of journalism, like the one at the U, they're generally now called something like the School of Mass Communication and Digital Skills. Oh, no. You know. That's not a good sign. And, of course, now the School of Journalism bears the name of the Hubbard family, which, you know, is... Oh, I didn't know that. It's good of them to fund it, but... <clears throat> sure. When, you know... When you're thinking journalism? But, well, when I was when I was working as a reporter, you know, through the 70s and 80s, um, the uh, if someone had said, hey... They're changing the name of the School of Journalism to the Hubbard School of Mass Communications. Mm-hmm. I would say, well, that's the end of journalism as we know it. <laughs> that's real nice. And, and now, of course, the reaction was, thank God for the Hubbards. <laughs> well, yeah. So, no, I mean, that's exactly right. change, and yeah. I just when really, you read that headline, though, it reminded me, and I don't, I'm, I'm not going to get it the quite right, but the less white. Wasn't there a line, more music, less brown? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was Dean Martin? Yeah. Oh, is that who it was? All right. How about a little more music and a little less brown? <laughs> <laughs> less brown for those of you under 100. Oh, yes. Um, oh, less brown. The big band yeah. uh, leader, Les Brown and his band are on. I think his big claim to fame was Sentimental Journey. Yeah, isn't it? I think that's mm-hmm. right. I believe so, but Dean Martin used to go after him. I love Dean Martin. God, I thought he was a great host. You know, he took all of his pay in RCA ch- uh, stock. Oh, he made smart a man. lot that of money, work. baby. Yeah, that, that would work. Ooh, did he make a lot of money? But you know, that's how it should should be, right? Well, it works out in the end, mm-hmm. I would think. Anyway, that, that's foresight, though. I'd... Well, God, back then, pick mm-hmm. any stock, and it's going to be worth yeah, you hear fifty all... times what it is ten years sure. later. There was Ty Cobb and Coca Cola. Wouldn't go deep yeah. into the Nash oh, Motor Company. <laughs> that is a huge deal. What do you guys say? Uh, every time I, I do turn on the news for the one minute I can watch it without make, trying to puke because one of those, these reporters they have on and hosts they have on these news stations now, oh, my God, they're bad. I mean, they're just not good, and I'm talking about all of them. Well, not one, all the people, well, but all the channels. One thing I've always loved 
is looking at the uh, the evening news shows on uh, very small town, um, very very small town t- right. TV channels. And uh, for example, I spent a little time in uh, Grand Island, Nebraska. Nebraska, sure. And uh, I was, went down there because uh, there was horse racing there, mm-hmm. and uh, I felt like I could probably probably make some money kind of easily. Walk away with some cash, baby. I, well, I walked away with cash and a, uh, a terrible uh, respiratory disease. So, oh, Jesus. Yeah, That's so, not good. so really, you know, it, it wasn't quite worth it. No. Uh, but uh, I'm watching I'm watching the uh, the sports, and the sports guy looks like he's probably like 18, maybe 19. You can just imagine yes. watching this. <laughs> and, and, you know, the kid, I mean, it was Grand Island. The kid probably hadn't had much of a... Well, let's just say he, he couldn't have been schooled very well. And any, anyway, the kid was diligent, and, he's, and, he's, uh, and he says, it's a state tournament time, and he says, well, he says, Omaha East did it again beating Christian Trinity last night, at 84 to 80, and uh, here's, uh, here's uh, Jimmy Horswell uh, putting up a layup. Uh, wait a minute. That's not Jimmy Horswell. <laughs> what? That's the route he takes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, it might, maybe maybe uh, if something happened like that at one of our local stations, the, the announcer might have just pretended it was Jimmy Horton. Yeah, may yeah. as well. What the hell? Yeah, but no. <laughs> growing up, growing up in New England, there was all the news stations in Upper New England, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine would get live weather reports from these two guys that lived on top of Mount Washington. Oh, God. And they were like the odd couple. It was the funniest thing. Jesus. Well, this weekend should be horrible cold. What do you think, Tom? Yep, I agree, Bert. Going to be something terrible. Might want to cover up them flowers. Yeah, I tell you what. She's a mite windy out there today, about 50 miles an hour. I love that. It was just so funny. I love. Well, your guy, was that the same guy who later developed Boom Goes the Dynamite? <laughs> was, I think it might have been. Hey, it could have been. Every time somebody made a basket, hit a home run, whatever, boom, goes the dynamite. And the funny thing is, <laughs> after that, after everyone in the country had heard that clip, yeah. then every small town, and maybe a lot of large town sports announcers, had to come up with something oh, better. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, no question. Which is like really no better than or worse than the catbird seed or no, all no, those I great suppose. expressions that sort of became the language, even though they really don't mean anything. There's a uh, a female anchor on one of the news channels, the national news channels, and, and to tell you the truth, I don't even know which one it is. It's I don't know if it's Fox, CNN, what it is. But I really am going to fly out there and sit down and go, it's not what you're saying it is. <laughs> uh, because somebody will say, well, look, when I look at this, this is uh, not exactly what I'm looking at. He talks about, and she says every time, well, that's your perception. Hmm. Who the hell says perception? Oh, I, hear, I hear that odd stuff all the time. Do you really? Oh, yeah. That's what ha- that's what there's comes a, before, apparently before a, deception. Yeah, before deception. It's preception. Right. That's exactly a D, right. There's now a D in important. Important, yeah. Oh, you sure. the important thing. That was Elvis oh. Presley did that. Oh, was it really? He, the important thing. Yeah, Elvis used to say important. Yeah, he wasn't a newscaster, though. Uh, so. No, he was not. It's, it's the weather people who uh, drive me up a wall. Oh, yeah. You know, and, I, and some of them, I mean, they all seem to be nice enough people. They smile. Some general, smile too are, much, yeah. you know. Yeah, some do. But but um, 
it, they're all trained to use the same words, you know, and it's always like your Friday, for example. Your Friday. Uh, yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> it's no, it's You're not upset. my Friday. It's everyone's Friday. It really is. Yeah. Don't say that. To Friday me. for the people right on. And then, <laughs> really. And then they're they're taught they're taught that they have to use the word "do" all the time. So it's like we do think it might rain. Oh yeah, right. The, the do is superfluous. That's Instead what I want to do. It might rain. I actually confronted one time a, a weather person. Uh, it was a gathering uh, over at uh, you know we used to do our TV show, the Stretch and Z show, in the, in the Channel Four studios. Yes, sir. So I don't remember who this particular weather person was. But uh, I, I kind of chatted him up. Or it might have been a her. It was a her. I chatted her up. And they said, hey, I've always wondered, you know, how come you people superfluously use the word do like eight times? <laughs> and uh, she just walked away. Didn't he want to talk to you about it? No. But that being said. Mm-hmm. That being said. <laughs> yes, you did just say it. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> anyway. It works th- out. This could go on for hours. How about Mountain Dew? Can you do that? Mountain Dew? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking. Yeah. You know, I've never tasted Mountain Dew. I haven't either. I've never tasted it's it. It's okay. Yeah. It's just okay. It's like a lime green, isn't it? Lemon yeah, lime kind of thing. Lemon yeah. lime loaded yeah. with sugar. It's like the most Not artificial lemon lime you could ever think of. Of all time. It, yeah. was, it was the one elixir that your hygienist hated the most. Oh, God, yeah. It's oh, is that right? Teeth. Mm-hmm. That was all sugar? Well, it's acid, sugar. Wow, that's true. Well, it's yeah. acid and sugar. Yeah. You know? It's basically designed to rot your teeth out well so it's good for his or her business i would think yes that is true well, plus you know you you could drink it and then pretend it was the mountain dew and not the meth mm-hmm. well that's true as well no question about it did you hear about this woman that the god i can't remember what state it was in but they pulled a woman have you seen i should uh, andy would you see if you can google Woman arrested with googly eyes. <laughs> They're claiming this woman's not wearing contacts or like those little eye things that you. Honestly, God. No, I cannot find anything. Oh God, I wish I knew what what it was. She has very small pupils, mm. and the whites of her eyes are bright yellow. What would cause that? Jaundice. Jaundice. Yeah. So it would be jaundice. Hepatitis. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, God. She, it looks like she's trying to put a spell on you for crazy. Yeah, that's uh, jaundice. Sounds like a combination of jaundice and uh, cocaine. Why such small pupils? Because of the cocaine? Probably, yeah. Oh, that's why. Uh, unless she has something else wrong with her. her. Who knows? I mean, her pupils are tiny. So she. it looks like she has two yellow golf balls in her eye sockets with little black dots in the front of them. Yeah, that sounds like something's wrong with her liver, all right. Oh, my God. It's just like, Jesus. And I said, there is no way that those are real. I said, nope, they are. Those are her eyes. I'm like, so oh, what did she Jesus. get arrested for? Uh, Having googly eyes? No, she got arrested for <laughs> cocaine, methamphetamine, oh, well, marijuana. I mean, it was like five different drugs. Yeah, she probably trashed her liver with drugs. and oh, yeah, that's what it was, is. She was so high that her pupils were constricted to the, you know, point where she could probably barely uh, see. I hate to... I hate hearing this because I've always been attracted to women with googly eyes. And oh, yeah. Now that you've ruined that for me. Well, yeah, but it, well, as long as they're not yellow, you're all right. Mike, it's your presence. They see you and their eyes just pop out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Holmes, uh, my uh, girlfriend. Well, there, it's true that, you know, a lot, a lot of people, women especially, when they meet me, do want to Google me. Yeah. Yeah, they want to Google you just yeah, in case. That's, that's good. Yeah. That's a good thing. 
Mike, what the hell are you going to do all winter long? Crab season has been axed, so you won't have to. You won't be able to watch the crab hunters. Really? Yeah, yeah it's off. Sorry. What's why? That? Why is it off now? Why? What happened to the crabs? Well, there's competing theories. A lot of That's them what I think hear, it's yeah. climate change and ocean temperature change, and they're the the. I think it's the females because I read the story a week or so ago. Populations decreased by like seventy or eighty percent. So they I'm figured not better than that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, of crabs? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Alaskan red crab, I think. Just just Google the Alaskan, Alaskan crab. Alaskan crab, crab numbers for Alaska officials, et cetera. Well, this, I'm thinking of a well-known motel chain that might go out of business. Crabs are us? Well, a hotel chain? Uh, um, it's a motel it's chain. It's a motel chain. It has to do with crabs? Well, yeah, I think so, yeah. But I can't say the name. Why not? Well, because it Are could you thinking be of a different kind of crab sponsor of the show could or? be considered slanderous, but uh, it's just a joke, of course. Could I point out the fact that I once traveled to Kansas City, Missouri, and stayed at a hotel, and came back after my uh, dinner meeting with the client, and uh, I'm tired and ready to go to bed. Pull back the covers, and there's a an, an issue of hustler under the blanket. That's pretty gross. <laughs> So, in other words, you didn't change the sheets, did you? Yeah, that would be a tell. In other words, I ain't sleeping here. <laughs> I'm telling you that. But yeah. They left the Hustler magazine under the quilt. Yeah. Like, and, and you know that, that somebody at some time, it might have, been, might have been a guy who stayed there like a year ago. Well, could have been. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but you do know that, that at some point you're sleeping, you may very well be sleeping on the unwashed sheet that some guy was lying on while he read Hustler with oh, one hand. Oh, God, it's just a horrible thought, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Andy, let me know when the guest is ready to go, if you uh, would. Apparently there's been an issue, and she was booked for 11.45, not 11.15. So she's still going to call in, but she's not going to have a whole lot of time. Well, we could go a little longer. Yeah. We, were about, we were about five minutes short. We, she could go for 11.45 to uh, Maybe she'll uh, suck. Maybe right? she'll suck anyway. That's true. Oh, yeah. that's no. nice. That's a really sweet yeah, she's way She's a to reporter. Put it. Yeah, hey, take another <laughs> shot at the most honest, treasured profession that a democracy must have. You're no, talking about reporters a... on TV? Crab oh, fishermen. oh, it's TV. Yeah, well, good you... luck no, to ne you. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, when's the last time I saw a, a reporter on TV tell the truth about anything? <laughs> Although I think some of the local reporters are pretty good oh, in this yeah. town. Some of them are pretty good. Yeah, I, no I, question I, about I, it. I know a couple, so they're, they're fine. And, uh, but it's a different kind of journalism. Yeah, it is, isn't it? What are we going to do about that? I got I a mean, car story. You know, should we switch gears? Well, you can do whatever <laughs> you want. Yeah, then. let's switch gears. Uh -huh. You know, cars have gears in them, folks. And so, yeah. uh, and this is part of a larger story, but the FTC just levied a, almost a $4 million penalty uh, uh, against a Maryland uh, auto dealer group. And there were two different things that they were doing. One is that they were charging minorities a uh, much higher interest rate than non-minorities of comparable credit for uh, loans. And they were also tacking on these crazy fees. And fortunately, in Minnesota, there aren't any dealers that do this, but in other parts of the company, country, it's fairly common, especially in the used car world, for this to happen. Now, the only way you can sell used cars if you're a car dealer now is to have good prices online. That's, it's leveled the playing field a little bit, right? So 
let's pick a car, for example, a 2018 Camry. If a normal mile one sells in the range of fifteen to sixteen thousand dollars, and you price yours at eighteen, nobody's ever going to come in, right? Unless there's something super unique about the car. You, we have tools as dealers that allow us to see the market in fifty, hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred mile segments. What is the average selling price in that in that distance? How many days does it take to turn your inventory? I mean, it, it, there really is a fair amount of science behind it. So. What some unethical car dealers have done is they'll, let's say in that same fifteen to sixteen thousand dollar range, they'll advertise a car at fourteen or fourteen five. You're going to get a lot of traffic. Yep, come on in. Yep, yep, yep. And then when they get there, they go, oh, well, that's that's the price of the car, but we have to add on the reconditioning mm, fees too, and that's yep. another thirty five hundred dollars and this oh, and that. And the other. Yeah, it's complete yeah. bullshit. And FTC is working on rewriting uh, regulations to not allow dealers to do that. They haven't published new uh, rules for uh, advertising for car dealers for a long time. They just um, published preliminary ones this summer, had a 90-day comment period, and we're waiting for the new things to come out. This will be a big uh, change, I think, in the, the way automobiles are advertised by dealers in the country. And we probably won't know what those changes are going to be till next year, but it should really eliminate a lot of those kind of practices, which, you know, that was one of the reasons I came back to Walzer. Not that there were, there was one group in this town at one time that engaged in business practices like that. I don't want to name them, but I think we can probably guess who it was. Yeah. Did a little bit of time at the Crossbar Hotel years ago. Oh. Um, but for the most part, you know, dealers up here have been. Are you talking Dr. Bill Lode? Yeah, no, it wasn't Dr. Bill Lode. <laughs> Dr. Bill Lode. It was the. <laughs> Great reference. George, Cor George Corporal. Remember oh, him? I it's remember George steak Cross. Guys. Sure, yeah, the steak. Oh, yeah. They had to write a law because of him. They did. They had yeah. to rewrite the law. It's true. So those of us don't know what we're talking about, uh, George Corporal had a, I don't remember the name of his glass company, but he started out giving away a free box of steaks. Oh, that's right. If you had your windshield replaced. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it escalated into a war. And I think at the peak, you could get tickets to Hawaii <laughs> if you contact. And they were just, you know, they were basically raping oh, the insurance God. companies. Yes. Maybe that's not mm -hmm. the right word to use. But so that's they what they were doing. passed a law saying you can only charge what it actually costs to replace. God, now I'm I really feeling that. bad for the insurance companies. Yeah, yeah you really are. Right. Oh, those Mike? poor people. I can see the look on your face. Oh, I was just thinking about fighting one of them for three and a half years. Oh, God. Uh, well, I fought one for eight years to, uh, to no avail. Yeah. It finally just ended with nothing. No. That's what happens. They wait you out and wait you out and wait well, you out. And well, yeah. Go, I mean, I mean, I I knew they were stalling me because yeah. their their actuary said, well, you know, there's a good chance the guy will die in the next three and a half. Years. That's exactly right. That's actually, exactly what they're but, like. but, I actually but won. they did. I won did that you? case. Good. Yeah. I didn't have to take him to court. It was it was uh, basically the, a woman in our HR department stuck up for me, and it took about a year. Mm -hmm. But here's what happened. Um, I think it was right before I turned 60, time for the rite of passage, another colonoscopy. And my doc says, hey, we've got this new thing where you don't have to do the prep. They just send you a box. You go in it. You ship it off and blah, blah, blah. Well, you've seen it advertised on TV. It's <coughs> yes. Coligard. Right. Sure. So uh, a couple weeks later, I get a call going, yeah, we got to schedule your colonoscopy. And I said, well, wait a minute. No, no, I just had it. And, and they said, yeah, uh, the doctor didn't call you? I'm like. Uh, no. Whoops. Yeah, it came back positive. And this is two weeks before Christmas. And I said, okay, when can I get in? 
Well, we have an opening in uh, May. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. You just told me that I'm about to die. Yeah. This is what I'm hearing in my head. Is it possible we could accelerate the time? I said, well, could you drive drive to St. Paul? Now, I live in Rosemont. Mm -hmm. I said, I would drive to Moscow if I had to. What do you got? Well, the first week of February. Okay. Turns out. Colaguard, and, and they do say this in the advertisement, there's a fairly high, like 10 or 15% of false positives, yeah, which I high. had, and even worse is false negatives mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we're so why would you colon do it? cancer. Well, because you don't, people don't like to get yeah. tubes well, and, 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 them and the and prep work sucks, and it's, it is terrible. So they, here's the insurance They do say that, the they're, that they're efficient like 92% of the time. Yeah, they, I, they, they are able to detect cancer. Yeah. I think it's gotten better. Yeah. In the beginning, it was very. I, I it know. Was worse because, than bad because yeah. So, like so said, what happened was because negatives. I had the colaguard, they would not cover the actual colonoscopy, and I can't oh, remember the reasoning behind it. One was preventative, and then the other one was diagnostic. There's some hmm. way they wiggle out of it. I'm like, this is bullshit, but at least I'm not dead. And I talked to our HR department, and they're like, you know, I agree, and. Eight months later, I get a check in the mail for twenty two hundred bucks. I'm like, that's, really? That's cool. That worked out. Twenty two hundred. See, I had to pay for the colonoscopy out of pocket. And it cost twenty two hundred. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's an expensive colonoscopy. Yeah. Well, well I mean, I, it doesn't shock me. But I wanted the guy with the small hands. <laughs> and he's he's <laughs> kind of booked. You yeah. got the platinum package, <laughs> right? Well, yeah. Small hands are important. Believe me. Yeah. I'm. You know, that's why I switched to a, a dentist with small hands. We talked about go. that last yeah. week driving when I was driving you home. Yeah. You know, the last colonoscopy I had, I won't say the doctor because he's a friend, but the entire time the tube was up my butt, I was doing an interview with three of the women who worked there. That, that <laughs> happened on my first one. They're, they're like, and, and I had the drugs, but they didn't knock me out. I'm like, take the do drugs. you want to watch it? I'm like, I can't think of anything I'd rather not, not watch yeah. more. Well, it's like you don't even know what well, you're looking at anyway. Can I ask another anyway. question, sir? Well, Are now, you the guy that's on KQ. I like, know. Oh, <laughs> naked, I got this oh, eight-foot-long no. thing rammed up my butt. I know. And you want to talk about... Tommy B and the Morning Crew. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, this this happened to me when I was in a in a oh, uh, in a somewhat reputable hospital back in the days. This is this goes back to you know before I, before I decided I would probably be better off retiring from radio because I needed to sleep occasionally. So uh, I wind up in the hospital, and uh, it's one of the rare hospitals where. You have to share a room with someone. Oh, oh God. That doesn't really happen anymore. No, it doesn't <laughs> not, anymore. Not in the big city, anyway. Right. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm talking to this guy, and he's, I decided, I mean, he was a nice enough guy, but I, just, I, I realized right away I probably should not say anything caustic to him because he, he did own some garbage companies, you know, you know, garbage collection companies. And you don't really, you don't want to hassle those guys. Wasn't, no, you do no, not. No. Bill Nitty, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea if that's his name or was if it's it, actually a... Was it garbage collection or garbage collection? It was more like garbage collection. Oh, okay, I see. You know, it's like, hey, you got a contract with us. Or the new guys collecting your garbage. Wait a minute, I didn't call you. Trust me, you'll be better off. Yeah. No, that's sort of a stereotype. But anyway, so oh, I'm sort I'm, of a stereotype. So I'm sharing the room with the guy, and his phone rings, and uh, I'm you know I'm like basically lying down ten feet away, right? There's right. a little curtain between us, and the guy says, "Hey, 
You'll never guess who I'm sharing a room with. It's the stretch monster. <laughs> and We've he, all been through it, baby. Yeah, and then he goes into detail about why I'm there. I mean, it wasn't anything shameful, but it was yeah. somewhat lurid, you know. Yes, I it was no big deal. That. I mean, I recovered. Everything was okay. But Penis reduction surgery. No, That's no, what it was, exactly. Yeah, right. exactly, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't have room for all those any, right. anyway. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's why we don't have to share rooms with people anymore. I yes. think it's a good thing, I think. There's no question. We got a letter sent to us. I got to read this. I love it because I think I mentioned this to you already. But, oh, by the way, Cassie did have her booked at 1115. Yeah, so I know. It's not on her end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, hello, I hope this is the correct email to send this to. This school year, as I drive my kids to school, they have just discovered the KQ Morning Show and love Tom. They were quite disappointed to hear that at the end of this year he will be uh, retiring from that show. I was curious about the podcast. I haven't really listened to it much. Is it family-friendly enough, comparable to the KQ Morning Show? Just as cu- uh, just curious as to uh, uh, they, can't, they can't quite get enough of Tom, LOL. Either way, have a great day on the morning show yesterday. Tom lamented that someone told him, my grandparents love you. Well, it's not just older folks. His kids are 8 and 10 <laughs> years old, and they listen to the KQ. And I now, do, and I think I meant, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, now they're going to listen to the podcast all the time. Yeah. Rob Wilson was his name. I do in. remember one particular morning. Uh, this had to be 10 or 12 years ago. The conversation got a little randy, and I, it was my turn to do the spot. And you go, Dougie, how's it doing? I said, well, my daughter's in the back seat, so I've been riding the fader just like the, yeah. <laughs> the sound yeah. tech for Linda McCartney and Wings. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. I was thinking in the future... Maybe we should have Rob Wilson and his kids in for car selling secrets. Might <laughs> have eight, bring him on. An eight to ten year old coming in car. That'd what do awesome. you think? Oh, I think it, it's it's a, what, what invite about, him. I'd love to. You know, it, it's interesting that that she said that they they can't get enough of you because I've had many women say that to me. Yeah, it never ends no, with you. I know it's it very flattering. Ends. If you're fascinated by aliens, ghosts, cryptid creatures like Bigfoot, then I have the show for you. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Each week, we investigate different claims of the supernatural, bringing you the top guests and experts from around the world. Listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Tune in, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Amazon Music, Audible, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Doug, how are things going at Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan? Well, we're in first and second place for the year in Minnesota. That's pretty impressive. What do you think the secret is? Well, clearly people like overpaid morning DJs that can't throw a first pitch over the plate. That hurt my feelings on so many levels. Sorry. Some people actually like these goofy ads, but there's a lot more to it. I think people really like the one-price upfront approach. They know they are being treated fairly. Yep. The free 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty doesn't hurt either. So what's going on this month? Well, inventory's finally getting better. We've got 75 Rogues and 25 Pathfinders available for delivery this month, and Nissan just came out with 1.9% for 36 months for people with good credit. The way interest rates are climbing these days, that's pretty darn good, Dougie. With all those Rogues and Pathfinders, free powertrain warranty, and low interest rate financing, no wonder Burnsville and Coon Rapids are setting records. We're like the Aaron Judge and Roger Maris of Nissan's. No, no, you're not. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. 
How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Yeah, it is very flattering. There's Speaking no of about. young kids, I, I, I don't know if I told you this. Maybe if I did, it's still a, a worthwhile story repeating. So one of the few neat things about Facebook is it will serve up posts that you posted a number of years ago. and Say, mm-hmm. uh, here's a memory from Facebook. Mm-hmm. And one showed up from 2007. My daughter would have been five <clears throat> or six. And her mom was taking Ellie and my son to Disneyland or Disney, whichever one's in Florida, it doesn't matter. Disney World, absolutely. So Ellie was asking, why do they call it Disney? And I explained the story behind Walt Disney, and he was a cartoonist in the 20s and 30s, and that's how he kind of got started. And she goes, Dad, was that during the era of sadness? And I thought for a minute, I went, <laughs> yes, Ellie, it was the yes, Great Depression. Was. Oh, yeah. the era of sadness. Which yes, I thought yeah. that was just incredible. Of course, she's my kid, and I think she's brilliant, but oh, that, right. I thought that was pretty insightful. The era of sadness. Almost got it right. Didn't quite understand why I think she did get it right. Yeah, yeah I, everybody was sad. Plus, that was very poetic. Yeah. Yeah, so it was very poetic, too. One of my favorite discussions in the history of The Sopranos happened last week. I was watching. I started The Sopranos over again, mm-hmm. and I decided I hate those people so much I can't even tell you. It's a great show, but you talk about hateable people. Oh, oh yeah. Christ. So it's, do you remember the Pine Barrens episode? Yeah. Oh, yeah, when they get lost in the woods. Yeah, they get lost in the woods. Uh, it's Christopher, Christopher and Polly. Uh, Polly yeah. Walnuts. <laughs> So finally, Tony Soprano gets a hold of him on the phone. And Paulie, remember, talk like this. He's talking like this. So he's talking. Hey, so, Tone, tell me, what's the deal with this guy? We almost got him. I shot him once, but we're going to track him down, okay? So what's the deal with this guy? And Tony Soprano says to him, well, you better be careful because this guy has killed 16 Chechens, and he's a member of the interior. He goes, okay, okay, Tony, we'll talk to you later. Hangs up. Christopher goes, what was that all about? Hey, you ain't going to believe this, but this guy's killed 16 Czechoslovakians, and he's an interior decorator. And Christopher goes, his house looks like shit. (laughs) Now, that's brilliant writing right there. Speaking of brilliant writing and rewatching stuff, Sarah and I just started rewatching Deadwood. Oh, yeah, great show. That's Deadwood, The Sopranos. Probably Treme. It's interesting they're all HBO sh- shows. Are pr- my favorite things I've ever seen. Deadwood is David Milch was Great Shakespeare show. grew up in the West in a whorehouse and drank too much, he would have written Deadwood. I mean, the language and the soliloquies and all these little quotes. There was one last night, and I had to look it up because I, I said, I can't believe he wrote this, but he did. Um, I can't, shoot, what was the quote? When you... Uh, Tell someone your plans, it makes God laugh. I thought, that's really a great quote. That I is. looked it up really quickly. It's like, yeah, Dave Milch. He, he did write it. Yep. 
That's pretty damn cool, actually. Very, vi- very violent show if you've never seen it before. You know what's really weird, and I can't remember his last name ever, but and I think it has something to do with the voice, the sound of my voice and the sound of his voice, because yeah. he's got very brown eyes and i got blue eyes, for one thing. Everybody, I've, I've been asked three times in like the last 10, 12 years, if I'm that Ian... What's Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Yeah, who gets all the great lines. I mean, but do I look like Ian McShane? No, he's English. Not and he's in got, the least. He has oily black hair. And he's about 5'2". Yeah. What? He's he's a stocky on, guy, but he's, he's no. I'm just saying he's. I'm about a, I mean, he's not. not he, he's not very tall. He is built like you. I mean, he's broad-shouldered yeah. and. Yeah. But I, I think it's the sound of the voice though, because yeah. he's got a voice like this too, and that's what I think it is. So I don't know what the hell to tell you, but there's some great characters in there. Timothy oh, Olyphant. Tim, plays. Timothy Olyphant is as good as it great. gets. No, I'm telling you, Timothy and the Olyphant. woman that plays Calamity Jane. Yeah. She's just a raving alcoholic. Tougher nail, man. In real life, Calamity Jane was not a pleasant woman. Oh, <laughs> oh really? A shock. Yeah. No, no. Oh, that, well, that's a very accurate depiction yeah. of Calamity Jane. Yeah. Yeah. Shock of the century. She's not very pleasant. Well, I mean, God, how many of those people were? You had to be a yeah. specific type yeah. to go out into the Wild West and, you know, oh, God, eat yes. nothing but month-old jerky while digging for gold yeah it's a and it's you know like the sopranos it's just beautifully shot the cinematography is wonderful and writing's just top shelf we went to the real deadwood for our honeymoon oh Oh, did you have you ever been out there uh black hills yeah i've been through the black hills twice uh and i went to sturgis once not during the rally but like in late may with some this is a funny story as a friend of mine from college Married a French woman. Uh, they, a, a couple they knew from France came over, and we took a motorcycle ride out there. But right the night before we left, I was living in Invergrove Heights. I screened North by Northwest. I had a big screen TV in the basement. Oh, yeah. And if you remember the movie, the the climactic scene takes place in the gift shop at Mount Rushmore. So we're, uh, we're in yeah. the gift shop in the restaurant yeah. at Mount Rushmore. And these leather-clad French people decide to reenact the uh, <laughs> shooting scene right in front of all these oh, Midwestern God. tourists with their kids. And it's like, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. It was pretty funny, actually. I would imagine. They, Andy, oh, I'm sorry. you were. They were using French fries, so. Oh, well, I, I would hope they weren't using guns. Yeah, no. Do you ever go back and look at the list of things you've recently Googled or uh, searched for? Not really, no. Well, yeah, because, you know, if I if I... If I Google something and I click on Google, it it'll show me things I've. Well, yeah, looked there, at. there is yeah, that. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I do. Because and... I just looked at mine. It says Newser, the in-laws with Peter Falk, Peter Falk, cast of The Watcher, The Watcher, and do humans fart methane? <laughs> so. <laughs> well, yes, they do. Yes, They've been they watching do. The Watcher as well. We're probably oh, six God, episodes. Oh my the... God, that's a good show. Yeah. Oh, that woman, though. What's her name? Molly Montague? or yeah. real God, is she good in that. Yeah. You know, if you had been more pleasant, we'd be great friends by now. But you chose a different... I was like, oh, my no, God. No, you, you remember she was in Justified. Yes. Yeah, she was the killer. She's phenomenal. Yeah. She, oh, she's... And then Richard Kind. Does remember Richard Kind? Oh, Richard Kind. He's her husband. I see him all the time. 
you know, he's well, he hasn't been in so many things. Oh, God, yes. But just, he's not a guy, you know, if, if, if I say to someone, hey, do you like Richard Kind? They'd say, who the hell is that? What? Well, yeah, because he's one of those character actors. You would oh, know, who know he is. You would know if you he's see in, him. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know him. Oh, yeah. If you see him. Yeah, there you go. He goes, oh, yeah. He's in a lot of Curb episodes. He was in a lot of Curb. He had a co-lead in a show called Red Oak, which was about a coming-of-age kid in a yeah, country they, club. They they spent all their budget on Richard Kind too. Yeah, because <laughs> there was no one in the thing who that who could act at all except for Richard. Right. Kind. I remember we had him on the morning show once. He was not a very pleasant guy to talk to. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was really weird. God, I think somebody like said happy go lucky. But I think somebody said something to him that they didn't that he didn't like. Yeah. Mm. So then I'm stuck with interviewing right. the guy. I, I remember back in the old days. There's one of our former co-workers that used to love to piss people off just before I interviewed him. Yeah? Well then. Hmm. <clears throat> you might remember who that hmm. was, if you know what I'm yes, saying. Yes, yes, I, I do. Well, Richard We're going to have to start this all over. <laughs> yeah, I don't think of Richard Kind. If, if I look at the guy, I don't say... It's interesting, because I would not say, well, there's a happy-go-lucky guy. No. no. Yeah. To me, he's got, See, that, well, he's got that sad face. He and, does, yeah. And he's, generally, he's not playing characters who you'd love to have over for dinner. Oh, and he's not in The Watcher, believe me. You don't want him over for dinner <laughs> yeah, in the show yeah. The Watcher. Amo wants to know if you ever finished 1883. Loved it. Absolutely loved 1883. Did you guys there watch you it? I did not finish it. He, oh, God, it was good. Well, first of all, you, you throw... Uh, oh, geez, no, I forgot his name. The guy talks like this. All What the hell is his Sam name? Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Oh, Sam Elliott, yeah. Remember what he called in at the KQ morning show? One time he was on the show, and there, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our special guest, Sam Elliott. And one of the people on the show gave him a real big compliment. He goes, there's this long pause. He goes, well, shit, ma'am, thank you. <laughs> like, really? He's in character. Uh, he's in character to thank her for her kind comments, which I thought was interesting. But... Yeah, that uh, there's a lot of good. We we were we're talking about that quite a bit lately, in the fact that you know broadcast TV um, could never have caught up with where streaming is now. No. The streaming is just fantastic. There, if you can't find some really really good things to watch, you're not looking. Seriously, there's some great shows now. And and you know they have they have the huge budgets. Yeah. Which doesn't hurt. Yeah. No, that does not. You know, as right. opposed to most most uh, network prime time programming. Yeah. Which yeah, is, the old know. what is it? The three shot one room sitcom. Yeah. It's, yep. The staple for decades. Yeah. Now we're you new. Know, now it's just all reality shows and quiz oh, shows. God, I mean, I who can watch things. any of that crap? I hate those reality shows so much. God, they're they're so teed up and phony yeah they How are watch that crap and uh you know i used to watch occasionally i, I you know I, i'd i'd watch the uh, i don't it, it just hurts to talk about it but i would watch the one game show that i was actually on oh the wheel baby you know, which didn't end well you know let's it say, let's ended fine uh, now look when you look at it from top to bottom yeah I see, <laughs> there you go thank you okay you know trigger warning andy do you know what that means no. what i just said to him mm-hmm. <clears throat> what do you tell them what from top to bottom means, Mike? It, oh, means, uh, it means a Cadillac that I'm not driving. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, right. I see. Yeah. Although uh, from top to bottom was where I, I actually was from bottom to top that I carried his carpet up his stairs over his house. <laughs> tell me that story. <laughs> from bottom to top worked out just fine. Yeah. It's, it's a great show. It, it was fun. And I, I the one thing about it is that the best moment on the show was when I was when I had you know I solved one of the puzzles, 
and I had like you know and this was the days you didn't get money. Right. You, right. You, right. You, you had got, to pick the prizes. You got over overpriced prizes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so um I had like, you know, thirty eight hundred to spend or something. And the first thing I bought was the ceramic dog. You still got the puppy? I well the I still I still have it. Um but let me just say um uh, we used to we used to call him James, and now we call him Jane. Really? Because uh, some part of him is chipped. And there's a crack somewhere. There's a crack. Yeah, he got. Uh, well, the kids, you know, the kids like to play with the the ceramic dog. I suppose, yeah. And, because you remember they were they were quite young at the time. Oh God, yeah, they were very young at that time. Yeah, but I, but I feel like that's my one claim to to wheel of fortune fame because generally everybody, of course, they'd say. Well, you got $140 left. All you can afford is the ceramic Dalmatian, or whatever it was. Right. And, it uh, was a Dalmatian. Yeah, it, was it was a Dalmatian, yep. yeah. And, uh, and so they'd say, yeah, okay, I'll take the dog. But I took it first because <laughs> I knew that if I had that, no one could ever claim that I was not on Wheel of Fortune. That's true. No one could ever or say, oh, you're going to get something like that. Yeah. I've seen the episode. There's no question about it. You were on... Wheel of Fortune. I did well. I mean, I got I got to the final part of it where I had a chance to win the Cadillac. But uh, yeah, from top to bottom. Well, you didn't have many many letters, if I remember. No, right. no, not in those days. There were fewer too. So yeah, there were. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and plus, it's it's. Uh, I know it's a lousy excuse, but I've been sitting uh, in that in that in that. Uh, that theater watching four other shows oh, all yeah, day. I suppose. And I'd gotten I had to get up like at seven in the morning, which, you know, was about six hours earlier than I would like to. So I was exhausted. Was Pat on the show at the time? Yeah. Now he lived in Maryland from what I understand. Then he used to fly to LA he shot it in LA, right? Yeah. Yeah. He used to fly mm-hmm. from Maryland huh. to LA every Sunday night. He'd record all those shows, and then he'd fly back home to the That's East Coast. That's insane. Well, it doesn't surprise me, because after the show, we talked baseball for quite a while. Yeah. And uh, and I do remember that uh, that he, t- he talked a lot about the Orioles. Well, there you go. Yeah, he loves the Baltimore Orioles. He's actually yeah. a very pleasant guy. He was a pleasant guy, yeah. I mean, we had a great discussion. Needless to say, we didn't talk politics, because <laughs> that might not have been so pleasant. Yeah, maybe but no, he was he was a nice guy. Yeah, he tried for a Cadillac Seville worth twenty nine thousand dollars. You did? Yep. It was the Cadillac Seville is only worth twenty nine at the time? That's Doug. a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. that that they definitely seemed like a lot of money. Well, let's see. What year was this car? Uh, Eighty five. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was just before you came then. on the morning show then. Yeah. 1986, I first started working for Walzer at the Mazda store, and we sold two-wheel drive regular cab pickup trucks, uh, Mazda B2000 SE5s, and I think they were five grand, 49.95. Now, if you wanted the extended cab with air conditioning, Mm. that'd run you up Mm. into the sevens. Oh, so 29 grand. I mean, that car today would be worth eighty thousand dollars. Well, on the the show before the one I was on, and of course you, you know. That's one of the deals is if you're on one of the shows that they shoot, you have to watch all the others because they need yeah, an audience. Right, yes. Yeah, but on the show before mine, a, a woman, nice, nice woman from, uh, uh, from Minnesota, the, the prototypical blonde Minnesotan. Oh, cripes, yeah. Wins, she wins the, well, in this case, maybe, uh, maybe she talked differently than that. But um, all I'm saying, so she, but this is actually a true story. I, 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 I mean no racial insight or commentary here so she wins the cadillac 
And so uh, Pat says, well, now I understand your, your boyfriend is, uh, is here in the audience. Uh, why don't you have him come up and, you know, sit in the car with you? And uh, so the crowd's going, hey, they're clapping. I remember this. And, and in walks this, this black guy. With the, and he's wearing like a fedora and a pink jumpsuit, right? Yes, so, yes. so what it's like is, hey, <gasps> <laughs> the sheriff is a And so Pat, Pat gets in the car, seeing this. He gets now. This was you wouldn't have seen this, of course. This just right. did not make it onto the actual right. show. But Pat gets into the car, and he does the lean. He did the gangster lean. He did the gangster. Oh lean. no! Yes, which, how'd the guy react? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I, I was too shocked. <laughs> I thought, he's not really doing that, is he? Did but he start he was, singing Superfly well, while he was I, doing the gangster I, I, lean? It wouldn't have surprised me. <laughs> but I will say, uh, you know, there were a few of us who did laugh. Well, it's funny. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know. A lot of people just didn't have any idea what he was doing. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. That we they have, have Jen on the phone. Ladies and gentlemen, you go from Pat Sajak to Jen Maxfield. How you doing, Jen? You damn right. Uh, Do we have her? Lines open. Jen Maxfield. Was it something I said? Jen. Could be. I, I Normally it is. Like. <laughs> well, right. she heard you on a ceramic dog, and she, <laughs> she was like, "I don't think so." I'm not working with these people. Well, unfortunately, that didn't work from many angles. Oh, nope. wait a oh I think he just uh, sent her on over. So. If you're fascinated by aliens, ghosts, cryptid creatures like Bigfoot, then I have the show for you. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Each week, we investigate different claims of the supernatural, bringing you the top guests and experts from around the world. Listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Tune in, Pocket Casts, Deezer, Amazon Music, Audible, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. The Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. And we are back with Stretch's picks. Who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SaberHeating.com. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common sense way to sell your home. Visit shift to sellcom because life is expensive enough. Jen, how are you? Hi, how are you? Magnificent. I was just saying we went from Pat's Ajax to Jen Maxfield, and I'm glad you're here with us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? It's a beautiful day in New Jersey. Yeah, well, it's a, well, actually, it's going to be very nice. It's been no, it's very cold here, but now it's uh, 52 degrees now. But it, literally, I got up uh, two days ago. It was 20 degrees in the morning, yep. Jen. It was way too cold. Sure was. Wow, yeah, that's, there's a little frost on everything when it's that cold. Mm-hmm. Oh, you boy. got that right. Now, Jen, well, we're, we're not quite there here in New Jersey. 
No, I understand that. Where did you grow up, Jen? Here in Bergen County, New Jersey. Oh, Bergen County. Okay, it's very nice. I just area. went back to my alma mater the other day, Tenafly High School in oh. Tenafly, New Jersey. I went back to speak with the journalism students the other day, and having graduated 27 years ago, that was uh, pretty surreal to walk back through the halls there. I would imagine going back to your school after all those years, that would be a little unusual. Although, I think, and I don't know if it was because I went there, Jen, but every school I went to, uh, except for two, have been torn down. Oh, interesting. Well, I had the opposite experience because when I went back to my high school, they had a full TV studio set up, which they certainly did not have when I was there. Yeah, I can understand that. Jen, so oh, you grew up in Bergen County uh, in, in New Jersey. Did you always know what you wanted to do with your life? I did not. I mean, I had ideas what I wanted to do with my life, but they changed. So I actually wanted to be a sports medicine physician. Oh. I was really into sports as a kid. I did a lot of team sports, soccer, basketball, softball, swim team, and so I and I loved math and science. So I actually went to college thinking I was going to be a sports medicine physician and started taking all those classes. But I always wrote for the school newspaper. And then I happened to get an internship at CNN at the United Nations. And I took a hard turn and decided to go into journalism instead. Your parents must have been crushed, huh? Actually, I'm just no. kidding. I'm, I, I, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm a, I was a journalist <laughs> for many years myself. He was a journalist. A very good writer. Well, my, my what, I was, what I was going to say was that they weren't crushed, number one, because they're wonderful people and gave us some freedom, but, but number two, because I'm the oldest of six kids. Mm-hmm. So I guess they figured they had five other opportunities for someone to be a doctor. And sure. actually, my, my brother is. So they did get one. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> We're talking to Jen Maxfield, ladies and gentlemen. More after the break. A reporter returns to 10 unforgettable news stories. God, Jen, what I should probably do is just shut up because I want to hear what you're, you're These are 10 uh, unforgettable news stories. Did you take a poll? Are these your 10 unforgettable news stories? They are, and, and please don't shut up. It's your show, so feel free. Ask me whatever you like. But, yeah, these are these are ten stories that are certainly unforgettable to me, and, and I suspect they will be to readers after they pick up the book, too. I mean, look, I estimate I've done 10,000 interviews over the course of my 22-year career, and I'm sure that everyone listening can identify with this feeling where you get really engaged with the news story for whatever reason, right? And and you want yeah. to know everything about it and you want to know about the people and you keep looking it up and you want to know every shred of information there is to know about it. And then usually within a couple days, maybe a week, that's it. You don't hear much more about it ever. And so what I was interested in doing is, is taking 10 of these 10,000 interviews I've done and going back to the people who I was still thinking about and I was genuinely curious about and finding out what happens after the live truck pulls away from the scene. You know, I noticed that one of the ones that you talk about is uh, Katrina, and that's just a fascinating uh, event to me. So what was it about the story about you covering Katrina after uh, the trucks rolled away that really resonated with you and and made you pick that as one of your ten? Well, I certainly never forgot the people I met there in Biloxi and Gulfport, Mississippi. Number one, just because of the extent of the devastation, right? I mean, it was a historically horrendous storm. But also because of all the 
beauty and the goodness that I saw in people down there, right? I mean, when you're talking about, we, we would cover food and ice distributions and the people who were helping distribute the food were people who had also lost their homes. It was really astonishing to see the way that people stepped up to help the other people in their community. But I'll tell you, you know, returning to that story now, 17 years after it happened, I mean, you see that those people lost a lot more than just their homes that day. They, they lost their community. Not every place has been rebuilt down there. Right. And a lot yeah. of people did move to different places. And I think that that's really the impact of that story. Uh, for the people who stayed, certainly that feeling of continuity, they wanted to stay in their community, but so many people did leave and never came back. Which is unfortunate because I've spent a lot of time in Biloxi and that area. It was beautiful, beautiful area. Even even after Katrina, the, the areas that didn't get hit that hard, it is a very nice area. Usually when people think, oh, Biloxi, Mississippi, that's got to like be like cotton groves. Or something. That's what they think. But cotton no, groves? It's beautiful. That's <laughs> what, what I think grove. of. The cotton field. I think they're cotton field. Well, the right, cotton right, orchard. right on the water. Yes, right on the water. Right on the water. Yep. So, uh, it's right on the water, so it is, it's very picturesque. But obviously being right on the water was the worst place to be in Katrina when you're talking about a mm-hmm. 25-foot storm surge. And so uh, it, it was it was beyond anyone's wildest imagination there, even people who had lived through many other severe I, I, hurricanes, even even they didn't realize it could actually get that bad. Yeah, my wife and I love and the other thing about covering a hurricane. Sorry, the other thing about covering a hurricane that I write about in that chapter is that when we're you know, when we come down from New York and New Jersey to cover people in Mississippi, after a hurricane, it's not as though we have a place to stay either. Right. The first night, we slept in our car. The second night, we slept in a hotel that had no water and no power. And by the third or fourth night, we were able to go to Mobile, Alabama, to stay in a hotel there. Uh, but it's never lost on me in these situations that I'm going home to New Jersey. I'm going home to my house. And the conditions that I've been living in in these places that have experienced natural disasters, the the people who live there, they're staying in this situation. And so that, that really does give you a, a perspective, I think, when you're reporting, to always keep that in mind that, you know, anything we're experiencing as a news crew, the, the people on the ground are experiencing it much worse, and they will continue to experience it long after we leave. So what did you find when you went back to to this story? And I assume you talked to people that you had talked to when when you wrote the story originally. What what surprised you about how those people had changed? It was incredible, first of all, just to be able to find the people who I'd interviewed. I mean, you can imagine how chaotic it was at the end of August and the beginning of September of 2005 to be rolling up into these neighborhoods where people were just picking through the remains of their homes and trying to figure out what, if anything, they could salvage. And so the first surprise to me as as a journalist and a writer was just the fact that when I did track down the people who I'd interviewed, that they even remembered talking to me. I mean, I would have thought we would have sort of just gotten lost in the tumult of that day, but they actually did remember speaking with me. and, And I think they had the feeling that the story in New Orleans was getting a lot of attention, but perhaps the natural disaster 
that happened in Mississippi was not getting as much attention. And, and I know that they did feel that when they started getting more national media attention, that more relief did flow in. And I think that's really, you know, you asked about what did I learn and, and the perspective. I think looking back at these stories years or decades later, you realize how critical it is when we get these stories out there to the broader community, how people at home do step up to help. And the way that people do figure out where can I help and what can I do oftentimes is through the news media and through us showing you pictures and and talking to people on the ground so that viewers up in New York and New Jersey and Connecticut can, can really understand what the people of Mississippi were going through. You know, that's an interesting point. And, I, you know, I, Katrina obviously predated things like GoFundMe, but as as fashionable as it is to rail on social media, I think there are some positive sides of it. And, and that is that is something because a lot of Americans do want to help other Americans or people all over the world, for that matter. And if they have the ability to, to hear the story from people like you and then respond, um, it, it does make the world a better place, I think. I'd like to think that, and, and I certainly did find that in, in both the hurricane story and a lot of other stories. I mean, I, I write about in the book how the news media is sort of the connective tissue, right, between the event itself and then the community who learns about the event through us. And in many cases, people do step up in, in, in so many amazing ways uh, to help wherever they can. See, Tom, not all reporters are terrible. (laughs) I'm learning that as I sit here today, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking to Jen Maxfield about more after the break. A reporter returns to 10 unforgettable news stories in more after the break. And this is something I've been – I do a morning show in town as well, and I'm begging people to take this route that you're about to introduce here. In more after the break, she introduces readers to unforgettable people who will inspire you with their hopefulness – even when confronting life's greatest heartbreaks, a young man who lost both legs in a ferry crash, an endurance athlete with stage four cancer, a fifth grader. Say, I love the fact, Jen, that you're talking about this stuff because this whole I'm a victim and I'm hurt and all oh, your words are. These people have some real problems and they're hopeful and they're happy and they're working as hard as they can. I wish we could get back to to praising people for their, their hopefulness and their desire to live a good life instead of condemning everyone, which is what, I think digital did to us. I'm, do you think that's true that digital has really hurt people in a very, really in a very open way? That people have turned into a different animal since digital came along. I mean, yes and no. You brought up GoFundMe, which is an interesting example, right? Where, where yes, there's obviously aspects of of people being online more that are negative, but GoFundMe may be one of the more positive yeah, aspects true. of it, where there are. E- to help other people. Um, and in general, I just feel that there are unifying messages in my book. I mean, yep. I just, look, I've obviously covered political stories through the years, and I specifically did not return to any political stories in my book because I just felt that there was a space on people's bookshelves and in their minds and in their hearts for a book that looks at people and people going through adversity, going through some really tough stuff in their lives, and managing to get through it and really triumph over it in many of these cases. And, look, I meet people on the best days of their lives and the worst days of their lives, the most chaotic days of their lives. And I use this quote in my book that news is the first rough draft of history. 
And that first day when we're doing the breaking news and we're getting the story out there, that's what you're seeing, the, the first rough draft. It was so inspiring for me to go back and return to some of these stories and say, wow, look what you accomplished. Look what you did after I met you at this chaotic mm-hmm. circumstance. I mean, there's a girl who was 10 years old on a school bus heading out to a field trip in New Jersey, and the bus crashed. One child was killed. One teacher was killed. Every single child was really badly injured on the bus. And this girl, Zaina Madahan, I interviewed her for the news a couple weeks after the crash. She was 10. By the time she was 11, she had spoken before Congress and had made a case for some stricter bus safety rules that they voted in. And now school buses across the country are safer because of this child who experienced this tragedy of losing her best friend and her teacher. But look what she did. I think that's astonishing, and I think it's amazing to hear about people doing these things. And I think it gives you a good perspective on, you know, we watch these stories on the news and we never know what the conclusion is. And sometimes it's really amazing what people are capable of doing and and accomplishing after these bad things happen. I think that's very true. Uh, Doug will probably finish this story, but all week I've been telling this story because one week ago today, uh, Doug had a guest in studio named Brian, and Brian uh, had a teenage boy shot to death just walking down the sidewalk. Somebody just shot and killed him, and then uh, just a few years later, his other son died of a, of a drug overdose. And this man handled it with such... Well, Doug, you take over from here because I was amazed by Brian. I can't. I'm getting choked up. I know. You just can't even talk. This man, you think you got problems? This man does... He's What a great human being Brian is. Yeah. It it was very inspirational. You know, uh, when you meet people like that, I think it's a natural reaction to try to imagine how you would handle oh. it. You know, what it would be like if you lost your best friend, if you lost your legs, if two of your sons died horribly. Yep. Uh, and to watch him handle it with it, still a, a lot of visible pain, as one would expect, yes. but still yes. a positive outlook on life was really, it was very moving. You know, he actually, Jen, I, as I said, I do a talk show in the morning here in town. And five years ago is when his son, uh, he was, what, 16, 17 years old, yeah. got shot to death for no reason on the sidewalk. And Brian says to me, the man who's the, the father of the boy who was shot, uh, he says to me on this show a week ago, he said, Tom, I, I, there's one thing I got to mention. I know that right after it happened, I called into your show, and I want to say I'm sorry that I did that. I'm like, don't ever feel sorry you did that. People needed to hear your story, Brian. But, Jen, how many, how many of those kind of people, those great people, have you run into over your, your great career? More than I could ever count. Yeah, yeah. I must tell you, I, I just, I'm, I'm re- one of the reasons I love my job is because I consider it a privilege to tell other people's stories. I mean, when I knock on their doors and ask them to open up to me, I am asking them to trust me with something very important, right? And that's their story. And so the idea that I get to go out into different people's communities and learn from them and speak with them and be invited into their homes and into their lives. It, it really is the best part of the job. And I just hope that I've done these stories justice and, and having people trust me now a second time to tell their stories 
in this book is is really an honor also. Yes. And and I know it was probably a throwaway comment, but I do want to return to one thing you said. See, not all reporters are terrible. And the truth <laughs> is that reporters who I know and who I work with, we get into the business because we like people and we care about our communities and we want to know what's going on. And I've just seen so much kindness also in in my colleagues through the years you know where we are with people on these really tough days and and we try to do the best we can for them i understand that i think that i have this problem jen and it would yeah this has nothing to do with you obviously but i do have a problem watching a lot of the national news now because you tune into one channel and biden sucks and then you turn the other channel and trump sucks and it's like do you have anything positive to say about anybody? Uh, wouldn't it be nice if we just did the news? How about that? Well, it's interesting you say that because my book is frequently in bookstores put on the in the current events section because I'm a reporter, and I think that's a great placement for it. But right. when you look at the shelf and all of the other selections, there are dozens and dozens of books. And I'm not saying politics aren't important. But there are dozens of books about Biden and Trump and January 6th. And right. Again, important topics. But I, like I said earlier, there is also a place for news stories that can inspire people and yes. people who we cover yep. on the news who have something to teach all of us, regardless of our political affiliations or opinions. I think it's a wonderful thing. Jen Maxfield, ladies and gentlemen, M-A-X-F-I-E-L-D, Maxfield, just like it sounds. More after the break, a reporter returns to 10 unforgettable news stories. Jen, you've been a great guest, and, and we need more people, and let's get the word out. Could you just be kind for maybe one minute a day, and let's build on it from there? What do you say? I love that mantra. My parents always taught me to treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's the energy I take out into the world, and I appreciate you having me on and your interest in the project. Well, thank you. Please come back soon. Thank you, Jen. I certainly will. Bye. Jen Maxfield. Well, she was very pleasant, yeah. didn't you think? Other than the 10-second delay. Yeah, that was, routed was about a two, Mars. It was about a two-second delay, uh, yeah. It's... Well, she's in New Jersey. What do you expect? <laughs> That's not very nice. So, uh, you know, one thing I, I wanted to ask her, but never really found the opportunity where exactly does or did she work? Um, it does we'll say, it, it, it says on here. Oh, yeah, Andy X, I think yours does say uh, where was she it, worked. Was it like Newsday, the Bergen County record? What What was it? That's kind of negative. No, they're She's both... a professor. Okay. <laughs> that really <laughs> Good impressed for him. her. That really, what do you got, Andy? Where'd she work? Um... NBC New York. There you go. Oh, NBC uh, New York. Is that good enough for you there, gal fan? Nah, uh, backstabber. Okay, I, I thought... <laughs> oh, I'll take it. I wasn't sure, you know. For At first I thought maybe she'd been a real journalist. But then I started to think, <laughs> no, she worked for a, a TV network. Well, I did want to ask her, so how do you just oh, happen cool. to get an internship with CNN covering the United Nations? Well, there is that. Well, I she... went to the quick trip. I was looking for Pepsi, and there just happened to be an internship on the there floor. There was a headhunter there. And... Well, she probably, you know, done a lot of excellent work, and, yeah. and she had a good resume. Yeah. That sounded very sincere. Some it was sincere. I, look, I, I was a, a, a congressional intern. Hey, when I was 19, and, and uh, boy, I, I could tell you some of the people who were there who with me. We, it was a it was a it was a it was a journalism scholarship t- kind of thing, and there were about 20 of us, and like seven or eight are household names now. And then there's me. 
Yeah, that's you. That's yeah. what are you going to do? Did you like my point, though, that I, I literally try to watch the news, but I just can't watch it because it's... It, I ended up literally in my own hand. I don't really go forth and, you know, engage people with this. But I've decided in my own brain that I support Biden and Trump because they're being pissed on so much. I have to because they're human. <laughs> I mean, honest to God. Well, it's this isn't nuts. a great time to watch anyway. Oh, the it's next, not. Oh, we have God. Four weeks till the election? No, it's three and a half weeks now. That's oh, just Jesus, it's yeah, and then, and then three and a half weeks yeah. we can celebrate democracy. You know the way it works when we see Senator Herschel Walker. Oh man, that's too. De- <laughs> it's just too depressing. Well, there's already been a few of them. How about Sonny Bono? Wasn't he like a? He was in Congress, wasn't he? Yeah, he was actually. Yeah. Was he? he was a senator. Uh, was he a senator? I, or I think he was. I think he was a. I thought he was in the house, but I could be wrong. I don't remember, but it's like really Sonny Bono's yeah, your guy. You do occasionally have. Well, it's one thing. Sonny you know. Bono, yeah, he was a house member okay. for three there years. There you go. And but, he got killed. Yeah, he died in a ski. He ran into skied yep. into a tree. Indeed, yep. he skied right into a tree. So yeah, uh, but you know, but the thing is, yeah, we've we've had we've had senators and co- congressmen, house members. Who had absolutely no qualifications before? We have, and we'll have them again. But yes. but this could be a new low. I'm sorry. Which if, one? If the, Herschel Walker. I mean, if there's ever been anyone who was unqualified <laughs> in every possible way to be, a, you know, to be anything, to be a member of the Water and Safety well, he's Commission. He's running for Senate. What do you mean? Yeah, you know, yeah, they must be good then. Huh? See, I I don't have a personal opinion because I haven't been watching the news, but mm-hmm. I hear the same thing about this Fetterman guy in Philadelphia. Apparently, they're not wild about him either. I don't know what that's all well, about. Well, with him, I think it's there's more. It's more situation where it's a very polarized. Well, everything's polarized. Yeah. Well, that's the whole problem. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, his problem is that people don't really know if he's healthy enough. Well, he's also a prick, isn't he? That's what the, the word I hear. I don't know anything about him, so I'm, I'm, this is not my opinion. Well, most of them are pricks. Well, that's true. Yeah. See, that's and that's my other point. Most of them are money grubbing pigs and pricks. But, I mean, Herschel Walker. This is a guy who. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw the 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 debate clip where he's you know he's saying uh, he's saying that uh, it's 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 about him claiming to be a law enforcement officer. Oh yeah, he's holding up the badge. I and saw he that holds picture. up the yeah. toy badge. I saw that. And yeah. he says he says he says this I, I ain't no I ain't no prop. This is this is this is a real badge. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, you are a prop. <laughs> Well, Which he well, is. He the, is, yeah. The, perfectly the way to describe it. That's yeah. pretty much true. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, I watched maybe 20 minutes of the Wald-Scott uh, Jensen debate. Mm-hmm. Was it Monday night? Nobody yelled at the other person. Nobody cut each other off. You might not have agreed with what they had to say. No, but of at course. Least yeah. it was, yeah, I read the Star Tribune's coverage of that debate, and it was actually fairly neutral. Yeah. Which is the most surprising thing well, there, I think. Minnesota nice. Yeah, I run into that all the time. Yeah, well, uh, it's uh, not that That is the phoniest slogan of all time. I know. Well, Mm. it wasn't invented by Minnesotans. No, it was not. And I'm not sure it was meant as a compliment either. I would agree with you 100%. It's better than the, what was the Super Bowl slogan they gave us? True North. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, man. They and, paid and least, somebody to do that. Can you believe it? Yep. True North. I'm, yeah. You could come up with that in uh, about five seconds. At least we haven't seen a commercial yet for anybody running for office that says, this is the way we politic. No. 
<laughs> I would like that, actually. When, I, when I'm watching a TV commercial and at the end someone says, this is how I, generally speaking, I'm able to change the channel mm. or hit the mute button yeah. before they say how we basketball or how yeah. we pizza. I, I just, hate that so much I geez. can't even tell you. I agree with you. I agree with you. So basically you're looking where I'm looking like, are there any libertarians worth voting for? I do love the fact that I drove uh, Tulsi Gabbard away from the Democratic Party. <laughs> that was your doing? Well, I voted for her for president. Well, you drove her far away from the Democratic Party. I did, yeah, exactly. So I voted for you her. You drove her all the way over to the conspiracy theory part of the Republican Party. She Party. called Biden Hitler the other day. Yeah, she called him Hitler? Doing? Oh, no. That's, well, all, that's all every politician what does. Everyone's I don't Hitler. Know. Did she find out I voted for her and it ruined Maybe her brain? Maybe that's what it was. I don't. See, I was so proud. I voted for a for a woman of color Democrat, a Hindu who was in yeah, who was in the armed forces. Right. I thought she had all the all the makings of a great candidate. I vote for her, and she just falls. <laughs> it's like, gee, thanks. Nice going, Tom. Thanks a lot, lady. All right. I mean, I, I do it all the time, but I wouldn't think you would. But fall about it. it would just about alienate it. people to the point where they hate everything. Oh, no, I've gotten pretty good at that, too. So I'll ruin them forever. I don't, I don't even know. i got to vote in, in a little less than three weeks now. It's, uh, what, 11 days left in October. So it's, so it's 18 days. Uh, yeah. So is it eight, the 8th of November? Uh, I thought it was it's, or the 7th. the 8th, yep. It is the 8th. Day after your so birthday. We're only 19, yeah. So we're only 19 days a day, day after Ethan's birthday. Yep. So we're only 19 days away, and I still have no idea who the hell I'm going to vote for. I literally I, have no idea. I would feel sorry for you, but I live in the 5th Congressional District. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's that? Uh, that's Is that a, where I live, too? It's Omar. Oh, God. Yeah. And uh, running against an equally horrible opponent who's, <laughs> whose name I don't remember. Um, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, we were in Crystal for a couple years. His name is not Omar. <laughs> N H A T O M A R, not Omar. Is there anybody to vote for? If we got anybody here, you know, in the fifth district, no. I mean, in any <laughs> district in America, I just, I just don't get it. I don't I even really know don't. who's running in my district. Politicians are not my kind of people. I've learned those. Well, there, are, there are some great people in the House of Representatives, but uh, well, Angie know. Craig seems nice. Uh, she's she seems in my very district. pleasant. Yeah. That's your district. Yep. Is she as pleasant as she seems? I know we talked to her once. Well, yeah, we have, I keep trying to get her in here, but she's apparently busy. Ah, uh, blow huh. it off. What's you going know, on? Pull. Yeah, know. something happening. But yeah, I, I'm trying to find some people that I could support and get behind, but it's I. Can't the find district any. is Omar and someone named Sicily, Sicily Davis. No, yeah, right. I don't know. It's C I C E L Y. Well, it doesn't really Sicily. matter who she's running against. No, it doesn't. Because she will win. Well, yes. they said that she's only got one more run and then she's done. Well, who said that? Apparently, that's. I don't know if she told people that or whatever, but they, everybody's saying that she's going to do it one more time oh. and then she's gone. Well, Don yeah. Samuels almost primaried her. So. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he did pretty well. He's a decent guy, isn't he? I don't really know him. I don't know about much him. about him, but. I don't either. I know one thing, though, that when, uh, when they say that this is their last their last Well, term. that's true. Ron Johnson said that about 12 years ago. <laughs> and he's still hanging in there. He, he, well, yeah. Steve Spigum should have hung him up a while Steve ago. Spigum. Well, oh, God, yeah. he shoot himself in the foot. And he oh, knew he was he doing did. it at the time, well, too. That he, was the thing. Did he call somebody Hitler, too, or what did he do? No, what he did was uh, and was he, way he was an there. interview with... Who's the woman who does, uh, taken over for Dave Lee, the morning spot on CCO? Oh, Vanita uh, Soccer. Yeah, yep. Yeah. 
um, they're talking about the U of M Morris, and he says, you know, I got a couple of letters, and it was over a year and a half ago, because their enrollments declined from 1,700 to 1,200. It's gone down 40%. Okay. Right. And these letters that he uh, purportedly received were from constituents that, that thought that maybe it was because the diversity had increased in the student. Oh, body. that's right. He said there's too much diversity. Goes, so we have to ask the question, is uh, is there such a thing as too much diversity? Is that why our enrollment's declining? And and what's her name? I can never remember Vanita her name. Sakar. She goes, are, are you trying? I mean, she wasn't trying to trap him. She said, are right. you trying to say that there's such a thing as too much diversity and that's a bad thing? And he just kept going. I'm like, dude, Did he really? Well, didn't he, didn't he say that at a, it was like a regents meeting or yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I saw the I saw the clip. And... No, I I did see a follow up to this yesterday. Mm -hmm. They interviewed the president of the student body at Morris, who's Native American, and he goes, you know, he apologized, uh, and I accept his apology. I think that there's uh, there's still some conversations that need to take place, but he's coming up here next month to go to dinner with me and five other people in the student body. So at least they're you know not throwing missiles at him. But I thought you know. Yeah. Effing dumb could you be? We'll close with the greatest quote from Blazing Saddles. We'll take the blacks and the Chinese, but we don't want the Irish. <laughs> My favorite one is somebody's going to have to go into town and get a whole shitload of dimes. <laughs> a whole shitload of dimes. <laughs> that I wraps that up movie. Walls Are Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Tune in next week for another exciting episode. Thank you very much.